You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're going to talk to Dr. Ann Dwyer about preparing to retire. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Care Credit. Dr. Dwyer started practicing at Genesee Valley Equine Clinic in New York after she earned her veterinary degree from Cornell University in 1983. She's also been active in many veterinary organizations in her career, including serving as AAP president in 2013. Now, Dr. Dwyer officially retired in 2022, although she continues to travel all over the world lecturing on equine ophthalmology. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Dwyer. Good morning, Kim. It's always a delight to talk to you, and it's kind of fun to change the focus from ophthalmology to to business, uh, the business of life. Well, we certainly do appreciate you sharing some of your story with us. And speaking of your story, could you give us a brief snapshot of your career? Sure. Well, I was one of those people who took a slow and slightly curvy path to veterinary school, Uh, And I actually turned 30 the year that I graduated. My gap of four years between college and veterinary school involved first a year of work as a lab technician, and then three years of employment on various East Coast racetracks. Uh, I was kind of a gypsy for those years. I worked first as a hot walker, then moved up to groom, and then finally reached my goal of being an exercise rider and had a had a ball doing that all over the East Coast. It was a it was during this time in my life when I decided to try to get into veterinary school. I applied to Cornell in 1979 and was accepted. I graduated as you told as you told your audience in 1983. Uh, I'm a little unusual in that I went to work at a practice in upstate New York and stayed there for my entire career. Uh, This was the Genesee Valley Equine Clinic uh, in Rochester, New York. Uh, Great horse country, um, very nice area of New York State, just a little bit south of Toronto. And the first 12 years, I worked as an associate, and the practice was quite small, just a two-person practice. But then we were starting to grow and the founder wanted to retire. So I bought the practice in 1995. I was a solo owner until 2001. And then that year I took on a business partner who had worked as an associate in the practice for about six years, Dr. Amy Liebeck, that many of your your listeners may know, Amy. She's just a terrific person. Oh, yeah. Uh, the practice was a was a limited liability. I, I just actually created a limited liability in order to create the structure for Amy to uh, buy in an LLC. Um, Dr. Liebeck purchased successive shares over the next six years, from 2001 till 2000, around 2007. Um, when we completed the legal process of me selling successive shares over the next six years until we were 51, 49% partners, uh, with me having the 51%. 
We ran the business together until the end of 2017 when we completed the legal process of me selling my 51% shares to her. Our LLC operating agreement uh, stipulated a five-year payment for those shares. So that, that process was completed between 2018 and 2022. From 2018 until the end of 2021, I continued into, to work for the practice, but I was an associate. Every successive year, I worked fewer and fewer days. By my final year, I was working about a 20% um, for a one-fifth schedule. As of January 20, 2022, I became fully retired. I was 68 at the time. I am 70 now. Since then, I have been really busy with volunteer work and teaching. My days feel almost as full as they did when I was in practice. My volunteer work centers around three things. One, serving as representative for equine practice on the AVMA Council on Education. Two, serving as vice chair of the Dean's Advisory Council at my alma mater, Cornell. And three, serving on the advisory board of the Flaum Eye Institute. That's a human um, clinical and research institute at the University of Rochester School of Medicine. My teaching time is spent giving talks at veterinary schools and conferences on equine ophthalmology. I also just gave two business presentations at the AAP conference in San Diego. My spare time is now spent doing things I really enjoy. Traveling has always thrilled me, and this year I had some wonderful trips with my partner, Dr. Tim Allen. Highlights were a trip to Scotland and England in June and a fall visit to New England. Health is a huge priority now that I am 70, and I try to eat well, prioritize exercise, and sleep, which <laughs> was hard to do when I was in practice, <laughs> and uh, also plan spend plenty of time socializing with friends and family. I would say life is pretty good. Wow, that is great, and considering how busy you have been and how busy you continue to be, so what was your thought process when you were considering retirement? I mean, it looks like you had some pretty good steps that were worked in there. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care of horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. Well, I if I look back and reflect on everything, I, I would say that uh, when you're in a practice, um, especially when you are an owner, you really start to think about getting out at the same time that you're getting in. <laughs> um I, uh, I'll tell you in a minute about um, uh, a, uh, an accident I had that, that uh, fortunately I was able to keep working afterwards, but um, you, this is a tough business and you always kind of want to have a plan B. Uh, also, the process of setting up a legal entity for um, uh, a, a veterinary practice, and this could be a limited liability co company or an S-Corps or C-Corps, 
Um, that process, when it's done right, involves consultation with attorneys and accountants and structure. And that structure actually uh, allows for an eventual transition. There are detailed operating agreements or documents that provide for all kinds of things in certainly retirement, but also things like disability or God forbid death or divorce. So the process of setting up a good business really is the first step. And I would say to all of your listeners, wherever you are along your journey, um, prepare now. It's really best to plan to hand over the reins of whatever you're doing, whether you're an associate or an owner, before you're unable to do the work. That's the, really the best way to, to serve your uh, colleagues and your clients. Well, those are some great tips. So I'm going to ask, how did you know it was time for you to retire? How did you decide when it was time to kick in this you know, plan to finish selling out to your partner? Well, the first thing was I had a bit of a wake-up call in the year 2000. Uh, I wasn't deciding to retire then, but I had quite a life event. I, I was on vacation in Montana, uh, and I was injured by a horse who flipped over on top of me. Um, fortunately, I did recover from that injury, but it was a completely disabling in injury uh, for mm, three or four months. Uh, um, and there I was, a practice owner. We were rocking and rolling in the business, and all of a sudden, I was completely out of commission. Um, fortunately, Dr. Liebeck and uh, my other associate um, and our intern took over the business or the practice responsibilities very capably, but I literally uh, had to sit in a chair, unable to walk or do anything for several months. So that certainly started the wheels turning in my mind. Everything can be taken away from you in this physical job in, in literally an instant. But fortunately, I did recover and went back to work. I had to modify things a little bit, but uh, really was fully capable of practicing until I stopped. So 20 years later, I was in my late 50s. I was still energetic, but just noticing some physical challenges of aging. Uh, poor night vision was my first heads up. Um, and of course, an equine practitioner has to go on night emergency calls, and I was really having trouble driving. Then I had cataract surgery in both eyes in 2020. Uh, it was very successful surgery, but the interocular lenses they had to put in my eyes limited my capacity to do the really, really fine eye work that I really made my reputation on. I could still do it pretty well, but not to the level I wanted to. And I also noticed I was quite tired at the end of my clinical days. Um, but, you know, I was in my mid-60s, so it, it was time. The other thing was I had parental caretaking duties that had escalated. Uh, my mom was 89. She was suffering some health uh, issues. It was the time of COVID. I was able to move in with her because of the step-down process that I was undergoing. Um, and I was able to completely care for her during the last six months of her life, cook for her, clean for her, help her, everything. That is a gift that I will be forever grateful for. 
And I was only able to do that because I had started this step down process. And um, it, it, I just look back on those last six months and I'm so grateful. And I know everybody that's listening is going to have some kind of challenge like that that they need to help with. And uh, again, once you get into your 60s, you, you just really look at life. You start having losses of one sort or another with the people that are near and dear to you. It's inevitable. And you just say, I want to enjoy my time as much as possible while I'm in, still in good health. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a new uh, partner in my life um, and new adventures. And I knew that selling the practice to Dr. Liebeck was going to leave it in excellent hands. That That is some really insightful advice for some of these other folks using your your life and and what you were doing so but i'm going to ask i mean that you've talked to us a lot but do you have specific tips i mean there's some that have come out through here but what tips would you give someone i mean it could be any anyone from an associate all the way to someone who's our age now okay i have a few specific tips um i was a practice owner and uh, I already referred to this, but I would give the advice of hiring good, uh, good advisors, that's generally an attorney and accountant, who will draft an agreement for whatever your business entity is that lays the foundation for eventual succession. If you are an associate and do not plan to be an owner, I would say get your financial house in order. That's really a challenge these days with the debt level that new graduates face, but I think the profession is making good progress on helping you with that. But um, uh, do I did purchase the um, advice of a financial planner. Um, some people can do it on their own with some of the online resources. However you do it, doesn't really matter, but do it plan for those finances. If you're running a business, put policies and procedures in place that are just sound business practices. Uh, the AAP resources are, are plentiful when it comes to explaining what those are. I personally was joined the VMG7 group, the management group in 2003, and this group really helped guide the evolution of uh, my business and the culture. Um, the Dr. Liebeck is now um, in my place in that group, and it's still helping us um, set the stage well. And there are a variety of different options to do that nowadays. Many of them um, are programs are that are run by uh, AAP, um, especially if you're an associate. I did have the practice, this would again be advice for owners, appraised several times. Um, first of all, the VMG process that I participated in did a thumbnail valuation of the practice annually. And then I, I um, paid for a formal uh, appraisal by the Simmons Company, which is a, um, uh, a practice um, oh, transition type company. Um, I think three different times. Um, and when it came time to negotiate time terms for the buyout, um, Dr. Liebeck and I just had to agree on a structure, a final price, and have documents drawn up. But really, the foundation was set by the valuation and by our operating agreement. 
Um, and the, our final transition was extremely collegial, but of course it involved lawyers and accountants on both our sides. Um, Dr. Liebeck had clear guidance about this buyout and she adhered to our agreement to the letter of the law. And since we um, transitioned, she has taken over the business and put her own stamp on how it has run, but has maintained a very healthy culture inside. And she and I are still really good friends. <laughs> it has been really rewarding to see the practice thrive under her leadership. She has taken things to the next level and she has grown the practice. Well, that is that is wonderful. So I have to ask, since uh, I am retiring at the end of the year from full-time work, how is it on the other side? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's super. I'm really enjoying it a lot. I'm still very productive through my volunteer work. Uh, I've decided that education was kind of my legacy. So all my three major volunteer activities are all related to education, as are my teaching junkets. I remain active as a mentor to several younger clinicians. Um, and I have to say, I really, really love my morning coffee and being able to go to sleep at about 10 p.m. most nights and not set an alarm. Um, when I do that, I still wake up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning and get up then, but uh, seven hours of sleep seems to be sort of my magic number. And then I do certainly fill my days. Well, that sounds wonderful. Is there anything else that, that you would like to impart on us from your experience about retiring? Well, yes, I knew you were going to ask me this, so I have a couple of bullet points to leave your listeners with. Plan for leaving practice, whether you're an owner or an associate, right from the beginning of your career. Create a framework uh, that will allow you to exit gracefully, adhering to all legal and accounting best practices and some kind of a structure that will allow the clients and patients you cultivated for decades continue to receive good care. When you do leave, draw a line and stay out of your successor's way, but still be available for adv advice when it is sought. Three, follow good financial planning so that you have, quote unquote, enough when you decide to step off the carousel. Personally, I've always been quite frugal by nature. I've got Scottish heritage. And now that I have time, it's been a delight to loosen those purse strings and start to, um, to spend some of this money that I spent my career uh, saving. Uh, four, and this is maybe the most important advice, prioritize your health and well-being right now, whether you're a year out, 20 years out or 40 years out like I am. Cultivate wellness and a good social support system now. And the AAP is giving you all kinds of a toolkit to do that. That will instill habits that you will use when you do retire. I have found that little things that I did when I was busy in practice, and that would include uh, yoga, lots of trips when I had spare time, making time for friends, are now big things. And then finally, uh, follow your heart and explore the things that interest you when you have the time to do that. 
For me, it has been learning to be a naturalist. Uh, I go to Florida in the wintertime, and I um, am now a certified Florida master naturalist. Uh, I try to exercise about two hours a day uh, gently. I walk a lot. And finally, after all these years, I am learning to cook. And I have been enjoying it. <laughs> so oh, there, that, there's my advice. <laughs> that is wonderful, Dr. Dwyer. Thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing with us your journey as it is uh, on the way to retirement and still being a productive retirement for yourself and for the industry. And we want to thank all of our uh, listeners for joining us for the Business of Podcast today and a Big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, who gives us the space to have these kind of discussions. We invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear each episode of The Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter kbrown, at equinenetwork.com. Mm-hmm.